You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, what's going on, podcast listeners? How are you all doing today? So you will probably notice, or a lot of you have probably noticed, this episode is a day late. I put it out on the socials, put it out in the Facebook group, put it out on the newsletter, if you're signed up for that. Put it out in a lot of places. Basically, I'm in the middle of switching hosts. Um, we've been hosted on SoundCloud for the basically the whole, not basically, for literally the entire existence of the podcast up to this point. And we're migrating to a more modern, newer platform that should uh, enable, like, A, faster download times, which has been a bit of a thorn in my side for a while. They, For whatever reason, the SoundCloud's just a little bit slow. These have been way, way faster, uh, in at least in my experience, so that's a big, big reason. But then also, they just have, they're just more podcast-friendly. Uh, SoundCloud's made for more for artists and musicians, not really podcasters, and this is very much for podcasters. So, anyway... That's what's going on right now, and if you if you have any issues or if you've noticed any issues that you think might be related to that, like, I don't know, you couldn't download an episode or whatever, uh, please let me know, info at tonemob.com or any of the socials where, you know, I am, uh, Instagram, etc. So, yes, that's what's going on right now. We're in the middle of that. And then another really important announcement is the Fear the Riff Expo has unfortunately been canceled. I uh, just got word last week, like right after I published the last episode, and that is unfortunately been canceled this year. I guess they they had a a major sponsor not be able to make a commitment, and it just kind of uh, was a domino effect on the whole thing. So unfortunately, that will not be happening this year, but we are talking about trying to figure out something else. So uh, even talk about maybe something around here in Portland. So we'll see kind of how it all shakes out, but if you were planning on going to that, don't book your flights unless you just want to go to New York and eat pizza, which is also a very valid option. But uh, the Fear the Riff Expo is is no longer happening this year. In, if you're listening to this in 2019, it's not happening. So, uh, yeah, no more August 10th, no more Brooklyn, no more. Okay, so that's done. And then the other thing I need to clarify is last week I gave you some wrong dates. So NAM's coming up. In fact, it's coming up next week. So hopefully I will see some of you there. But I said the wrong dates last week. Last week I was giving you dates for the Stringjoy slash Eastside Music Supply uh, shindig party thing that's going on. It's not happening on the 20 whatever I told you because NAM isn't even happening then. No, it's going to be happening next week. Yes, next week, next Thursday on July 18th. I probably said like 28th or something. I probably just said something stupid. I don't remember. But I know it wasn't the right date because I went back and listened to it and said, that's not the right date. You need to tell people about it. So it will be Thursday, the 18th in Nashville. If you're going to come down to Nam, come say hi. Let's figure it out. Let's hang out. And yeah, that should be a great time. 
Okay, let's get into this episode. Here we have none other than Mr. Brian Fallon himself coming back on the podcast. This was a really great chat, and it was a little more uh, classically formatted as uh, as far as Tone Mob episodes go. So if you heard the previous one, it was with me and my microphone kind of just sitting in a table in the back of the, the tour bus with my wife and him and Ian Perkins, another member of the band. And we were just we were just kind of casually just hanging out. This was much more the remote, uh, one-on-one, kind of little more digging in deep to the individual person type of tone mob interview you used to hearing, used to hearing rather. So here we go. Let's get into it. It was a great chat. He gave some really, really interesting insight, especially for any super gaslight tone nerds. It's there towards the end. So yeah. Without further ado, here's Mr. Brian Fallon, and I hope you very much enjoy the chat. Say hi to Brian. Hi. 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 How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. You looking? What are you doing today? Say something. I like the. I like we will rock you. I love that song too. I think it's a great song. (gasps) You like any other songs? Yeah. Which ones do you like? Uh, Nassau. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Any other songs? Yeah. <laughs> what other songs do you like? Uh, and Paw Patrol one. I like mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, me too. Do you, do you like any other songs? Yeah. Which one? Uh. And stay, and stay <laughs> oh, lovely. Thank you. Yeah, you sing that one. I do. Thank you. He really likes that song. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> oh, okay. Go with mom. We're going to record. All right. See ya. See ya. The whole family was here. I wasn't aware. Yeah, that, that's a my that's dad a big... and everything. Oh my! Okay. <laughs> everybody, I walked in the house and everybody was there. I was like, "Oh!" I was like, uh, "Does Vincent still want to say hi?" That's good though. Yeah. Well, you got a full house now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, they'll probably they're coming back later if we're having his having his birthday today. But oh, nice. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Not usually how I do my intros, but how are you doing, Brian? I'm doing good, doing good, uh, you know, getting getting ready, moving into a house, seeing what's what's what, learning about homeowner stuff. Oh, boy. Well, I can tell you a couple things about it if you'd like. It's uh, <laughs> be prepared for, you know, leaking air conditioners is one yeah. thing I could tell you. That's what I'm finding out. That's but it's it's under control. It's under under control. So we're, we're, we're doing good. It could be worse. Could be a lot worse, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't sound too bad. No, it could be infinitely worse. Um, and then, you know, and then there's always the thing where you could not have a house. So that could be worse, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. Not having somewhere to live is 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 uh, much 
much worse than having water dripping occasionally from your ceiling. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like pouring through the ceiling. It's just kind of like uh, like a condensation sort of thing in the insulation. That's like more. It's more leaving a stain right now. So rather than rather than creating mold or or a hole uh, in the in the ceiling, it's just a stain. So it's not that's not an that's not an it's like a, it's like it's like a if somebody put a coffee cup on your ceiling, you know, like in heaven, they're <laughs> resting their coffee cup on your house. So, you know, when you're a kid and your parents tell you that the angels are bowling and that's thunder, well, the angels are having coffee now. So they've, <laughs> they've rested it on top of my, uh, you know, my ceiling. They, they bowled a good game. They bowled a good game. Yeah. This is the after party since I hear they're not allowed to drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's no drinking in, in heaven. I mean, who knows? There's wine except, in heaven. Well, except for wine. Uh, you know, wine is fine, but, uh, you know. Anything, anything past that, you're going to have to just go with coffee. Yeah, there's a very strict DUI limit in heaven. I don't know. It's almost like when you have a CDL. The limit's zero. Yeah, zero. So you can't do it. So, yeah. So that's it. Uh been... You know, we've been a while. We've been gearing, gearing up. No kidding. With, with the gear. Oh, so much gear. So much gear since we last spoke. Oh. I will say, this is this is how I normally do these podcasts. I got to uh, be honest. If uh, if I had my druthers, I'd rather record them on the back of tour buses. Yeah, that, well, that was a good time. Those are good. Yeah, they're they're fun too. Um, but you know, this is this is a good way to do it. I think it's a practical way to do it. I've done a couple podcasts like this, but I think it's a good uh, it's a good setup. You know, because you can reach somebody anywhere. But uh, you've done a lot of interesting ones lately. It's been it's been kind of wild. I've yeah. I've been I've been really lucky to get some really cool people on the show over the years, and uh, I know you and I talked a lot about the the analog mic appearance, yeah. which. Which is now currently like the most downloaded episode ever, which I guess shouldn't be too surprising considering wow. what we're talking about. I'm a big fan of Analog Man. So that is, uh, that's probably the number one uh, one that I would have requested, you know, out of everybody. Mike, it would be the one I would say I would want to hear what he has to say. And he he had a lot of interesting things to say. I was I I you know and for anybody who hasn't listened to that episode yet, it's just a few back. But I I was talking to him about like you know why not just make more case? Uh, not what am I talking about? Chasing tone. That's the other podcast I do. Uh, <laughs> why not just make more king of tones? You know, like that's a good question. Yeah, well, I never thought about that. What? Why? What's the answer? Well, to, to paraphrase what he said, it was basically the components he uses in it, he said, are in a finite supply. He said there's sure. certain things that, that they just don't make anymore, and we only have what we have, and we're always trying to source, but still, they're just they're not making it anymore. Eventually, we're going to run out. And so he he said, you know, we never we never wanted to tool up and have like these big overheads and expenses, and uh, you know, have the economy do what it did in the in the 2007, 2008 and have to fire everybody. You know, he's like, yeah. he's like, we have the same amount of employees now that we did then. And, you know, we were able to kind of hold on and like, I just feel like this is the level where, where I want to, you know, kind of have the company basically, which That's made a smart. lot of sense. Yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, they have a, like a hit 
you know, with a pedal or something like that. And then they sort of uh, make the company, they start hiring all these people and they get really big and they assume that that's sustainable uh, because of a big hit. But the problem is, is it's not sustainable. It eventually, I mean, even the most in demand product eventually starts to wane a little bit, right? Yeah. I guess unless you're like Robert Keeley or, you know, somebody that's been around for, or, or how I think Keeley has been able to sort of like expand their company without losing, like without getting cheesy. They, you know, because I see the Keeley pedals everywhere now and, and they've been around, I think they were one of the first modded, you know, pedal companies in the, I think ever. And they, they seem to be doing well and, you know, full tone has been able to expand and maintain but like a lot of companies, I think if you have like a flavor of the month pedal, that you can't count on that to be there in two years, much less five years. Yeah, and then that's that's the other thing is I've you know I've talked to a lot of these guys, and sometimes when you do sort of have a, a flavor of the month thing going on, you don't. It's hard to know. You're like, is this going to continue? Do I need to scale up? Should I stay right here? It, it's right. like you don't really know. Like, is this going to be sustained? Yeah, uh, and I think sometimes it's hard to like lick your finger and put it in the wind and really figure out what's going on. It's kind of a kind of a difficult thing. Yeah, I think that's the risk of all business, though. I mean, in my career, you know, same thing. Like you write a song and and it does well, but that's not guaranteed that you're ever going to write another one that people are going to like. You know, that's true. So that's true. There's, it, a, there's a lot of parallels in the two there really are there is i think it goes with a lot of businesses but like you know clothing you design a pair you know you like say you design clothing and you design like a pair of jeans that really takes off that doesn't guarantee you that that you're going to have that success in the future um it's really difficult man like i think that you know the only time you can really say that like now i think i've just started to realize that like after doing this for you know 12 years that like oh okay i've got like a i've got a career you know, and, and as long as I don't go too nuts making it too big, you know, I can I can sort of maintain this uh, unless I make a terrible move. But, uh, you know, and that much like a pedal company, I think, could now like whereas like Mike could say, OK, I've got a career. Mike could say that now. Yeah, I mean, that's a it's a it's a weird thing when you are in a creative type of field. Sometimes it's it, it feels like you're just kind of doing your thing. And then you wake up one day and you're like, oh, I guess I've been doing this for, like you said, 12 years. Yeah. I guess my, this is my, this is, you know, when people ask what I do, that's what I do. And it's, it's weird to a lot of people. Do you, do you ever have a hard time explaining to people what you do who aren't music fans? Um, yeah, sometimes because people think that you're either very famous or you're playing at like, like the local bathtub, you know, and <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they don't really get that there's like a whole world of in between, you know, sort of people that that are are, are making a living, you know, by by touring and and playing shows and you know writing music or whatever else you know you you're doing writing for other people or things like that. There's like a whole nother element to it. Yeah, it, it is weird how you know kind of general population is. If you're not if you're not Keith Richards. Uh, you like who are you type of thing. yeah but i don't you know that's a that's a thing too i think that like you know a lot of people i think they want to get to the keith richards thing i mean i i used to want to do that but then you you know 
I don't want that anymore. It's, it comes with a lot of lot of lot of responsibility and a lot of maintenance. Kind of too lazy to be famous, really. <laughs> it's a big restriction on your freedom, too. Yeah, you I mean, know, and my time, you know, if I got a real a, a deep, you know, like pottery interest hobby, I got to maintain. I can't have time to be famous. I got to. I have other things to attend to. You know, I'm thinking about getting into, you know, interpretive dance, pottery, something else. I thought you were No, no. Hey, you never know, man. You know, no, there's nothing wrong with it, but uh, it's just, uh, you know, I could fire up a, a kiln. See, I already know. I already know more than I thought. I, I know about the kiln and I know about the fire and I could start that right up right now. I would love to make a pot. You want to make a pot? Let's make I a pot. Would. A bowl. I would Let's prefer a bowl first. Let's start out with a bowl. And then, you know, because there's... What they call that thing that spins, where you where you put your hands on it and make makes the clay stuff. I don't even know what that's called. Yeah, I probably have to take a class to learn what that is. I'm not sure. Kiln's a basic one. That's a fire. I learned that on the TV. <laughs> Something about a fire, just where it cooks it. I've seen yeah. it on YouTube. Yeah. It's real hot today. Is it hot where you are? It, it's, well, I mean... You got to be relative with what we're talking about here. It's 78, so yes, it's hot to me. Oh, it's 90, 90, what, 92 here? Oh, geez. Yeah, it's hot, man. In Jersey, so it's kind of sticky. 91, it's 91, so it's gone down. The real feels 102. Humidity is 51%, and the dew point is 71 degrees. So. The real feel is 102? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, it's, uh, you know, it's like a, yeah. It's hot, you know, it's really hot, but it's okay. It's, it's hot. You're melting. You're melting yeah. inside a little bit. So, oh, yeah. So, I what else? It's a, what else? That's, that is always the question. What's next? So, what else? Um, so, your your gear has, has changed already, like, a lot since last time we talked. Sure. Now you got, you got this triple pickup Les Paul. You got, yeah. like, a 99% analog man board. What, what's, what are we running through these days and why? I you know I still use the the AC30s and the AC15s. Um, I I still use those, and I've added in uh, a deluxe reverb from uh, the from Fender, um, and so I've I've had that sort of added in, which has made a whole other you know world kind of come out at me. Um, but like as far as the the pedals go, I've still got a lot of the same ones, but it seems like I've more gotten into a single coil rig and a humbucker rig. Okay. And the, yeah. And the P 90s sort of go in between. They don't really have a preference, but um, yeah, the single coil rig is still going to be the, the full tone, full drive. That's I'm going down with that thing. Uh, okay. Yeah. I love it. And I, you know, the weird thing is like, I have the, all the different ones and I really enjoy the, uh, the three. That's the one I like, the Full Tone Full Drive 3. I just think that that one sounds really good. I've only played the 2 and the 1. I haven't played the 3 yet. The 3, I think, is great. and It's got such a good boost on the end of it that you can use as a clean boost. And it's like independent of the, uh, of the actual pedal. So, okay. yes, yeah, it's, it's basically it's that fat boost in a, in a, you know, it's just a fat boost. So with... Uh, 
you know, but separate from the actual drive. So it's it's pretty cool to uh, to use. And the new one I think is great too, like the new the red one that he put out recently. Oh, I might have missed that one. A red the, full drive? Yeah, it's the V2. It's like full drive V2, I think it's called. But it's oh, uh man. it's great. And uh you know, the, the, I just saw too. I got an email from Full Tone that um that Josh from uh, JHS says that the 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 new fuzz like the Moss Mallow I think it's called I'm not sure if I'm saying that right but uh, it is like the best fuzz ever so now I'm all you know the can of worms is opened and now I gotta try it and you know my wife's gonna have to shop for cheaper groceries for a month and and you know I'm gonna have to inform her that she's gonna maybe have to return you know the house or something because I'm gonna have to buy more cars. <laughs> Can you do that? Can you just return the house? Yeah, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll okay, put, we'll talk to maybe we'll put it on a firm or something. You know, that a firm loan thing. Oh, no good, interest. good idea. The house. Reverb. I mean, we'll put the house. We'll put the house on reverb. You know, and we'll just uh, you know we'll just buy. We'll, yeah, we'll buy some pedals. We'll live in the boxes. I mean, if you're gonna put your house on reverb, please make sure you use the link tonemob.com slash reverb when you post it. <laughs> Because that I will. would be a, some some good wind in the sails if you can manage to make that sale. I will. I will do it. I will do that. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of been the thing. I, I but the the um, so that's the main thing for the single coil is the full drive. But uh, mm-hmm. when um, when I'm moving it with the humbuckers, which is most of the time, most of the time it's on humbuckers. Uh, it I've got the uh, the analog man, the bicomp compressor. Oh yeah, and then next door to that, I've got the um, the King of Tone, which has never left the board, stays on the board, doesn't go anywhere. Um, that I, you know what that you could start installing those inside of my amps and then just leaving them on, because that's the way it goes for me. Um, Do you have a, a lot of grit that you're using with it, or just 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 enough? I got you know both of them are set. A lot of people set it to the boost setting on one side and then the overdrive on the other. I like I like a pedal to be a pedal. So I set it for the uh, the overdrive and then the distortion. And I, I have uh, the high gain side on the red side, but I, I they're both running very moderate. They're not like crazy. So they're not turned up very high. Um, it's like just enough to sort of give it a little oomph on the end. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I I don't really like crazy wild gain. No, your sound's always been been pretty clear. Uh yeah. it, it it's got some some bite to it obviously, but the notes are always very very clear and detailed. You could hear you could hear what you were doing for the most part. That's that's kind of what I like. Yeah, in my ears. Now, now I've sort of branched into, you know, playing like the rhythm and the lead. So now I have to do two things um, where, you know, you would normally need two sounds. But then what I did was I sort of, even though I'm going and playing like more single notes, I, I keep the gain down still. Because like in my head, I, like if it sounds like Dwayne Allman, then it's right. And if it doesn't sound like Dwayne Allman, then it's wrong. 
when you're playing lead. That that I don't know why that my, that's what my brain says. I'm not telling you that that's a fact. I'm just saying that that's how my brain responds to good or bad. Okay. Yeah. You, I can't say that you're wrong with that though either. That might I don't be, know. That be a universal truth. I don't know. It's just it's for me. You know, like I I think that that's the way that's what I look for. And when you're playing slide, it's you know it it's Derek Trucks or it's nothing. That's me. I've been I've been working on on slide. I, I honestly I've really rarely touched slide until this year, and uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm having a rough time. I even posted a video up of me having a rough time with it. But uh, <laughs> I saw that I, video. I didn't think it was as bad as you did. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, I don't know. It felt it felt really like what happened with that video was I I. I, I got I had a riff I really liked and I was like, cool, I'm going to play this and show everyone I'm practicing slide because the Internet needs to see that, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I couldn't I couldn't play it. It wasn't working. The, I, the little cool riffy thing I did was was broken. My hands were not functioning. And so uh, I was like, well, I guess the Internet gets this instead. So here you go, Internet. Um, well, that that's how it goes, though, sometimes. I don't think that it's. Some days you just can't do it. Some days the fingers don't work. I'm glad it's not just me. No, it's uh, not you. It's just it's everybody, I think. The the thing about is that some days your fingers don't work and then it's not not good, but some days, you know, better that better that than being the person whose ears don't work and their fingers work great every day, but it's just a bunch of noodles and it's just soup that doesn't sound like anything. So there's another problem that could be had, so it's good that you have the other problem. Where, because to me, I saw that you were fumbling around, and but the the thing is, is that the bits that did sound right, you know, I got my ears perked up, and I said, "Oh, I said that's pretty interesting. What's he doing there?" And then, you know, and then I could see that you were having a tough time. But the problem, or the the uh, the thing that actually came out of that was that it sounded like you were going somewhere. So what I would have liked is for you to maybe take another stab at that and let, and show everybody what it really does sound like when you get it right. Cause it sounded like interesting when you started going, you know what I mean? Well, we'll do. I'll have to pick that thing back up and, and make it, <clears throat> make another crack at it. It was almost a little, <laughs> it was almost a little depressing. So I was like, well, we're going to put this slide, <clears throat> excuse me, this slide down for a little bit and we're going to go back to power chords and Nirvana riffs. Like you, like you know how to do. That's what we're going to go back to the tried and true. So you can have confidence <laughs> to begin and uh, get back to it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, you got to just do it until you're happy with it. I think really, you know, cause there's always going to be that somebody that's like a thousand times better than you. Um, so like, you know, if you just do it to, to the way where you go like, well, that felt good. And then you put that up there and it doesn't work. Don't worry about whether it's great or not. But I think that it was cool. It was interesting. So, you know, slide. Try it again. Slide. See what happens. All right. You should put that on a t-shirt. Try it again and see what happens. I, I should put that on. The, the main motto is that, uh, you know, it, you just, that, that is the main motto. That right there. I like it. I like yeah. that. That's almost tattooable. It's so good. Could be. You never know. Song, song lyric. There you go. Song lyrics. <laughs> oh, those things. Those old things.
So I know you're you're still in early early stages, but you you were talking about some stuff off the air with your songwriting process this time. I don't know if you want to share any of that yet, or if you want to keep it out till the record comes out. But oh, that's no, fine. Yeah, I'm in the middle of it. Where normally uh, I was saying that I make normally I make these like very elaborate demos with sort of they sort of sound like mini records where like everything is done, and there you know there's like drums and bass and guitars and keys and vocals and background vocals and every every little thing is on it um and i do that so that i can sort of know where i'm trying to go with it and so i can hear it back to myself and go okay you know that's too much this needs to be pulled down maybe if we try this uh and then but that's not the way i've always done it and now this time since like i'm moving and i can't really be bothered with all that stuff because i don't have the time now I'm just kind of sitting down with the, the guitar and the piano and just sort of figuring it out like that again um, and not really having anything but, you know, just put, put it down in your iPhone and then sort of move on, whereas I used to do it in a cassette tape um, oh, yeah. recorder. Oh, yeah. You know, that wasn't that long ago, though. Surprisingly enough, that was not that long ago that that was the main method. It was like definitely the first two records were like that. So that was not that long ago, 10 years. That really wasn't that long ago. I feel like I feel like I'm, I'm trying to f- remember the last time I used my old Tascam four track. I still have it here somewhere, uh, but it was probably about eight to 10 years ago, which, <clears throat> like you said, in the grand scheme of things, not really that long. And it's strange how dramatically everything has shifted, like an insane amount in that. Time. Yeah. Te- well, technology has gone, gone a little leaps and bounds, you know, that really has gone uh, sort of head over heels since then, you know what I mean? Like it sort of came out and then went forward and uh, didn't really ask anybody what they thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, oh, you like, uh, you like headphone jacks? Yeah, cool. We're not going to do that anymore. Oh man, that honestly is one of them. I love technology. I love all the things that enables us to do like this podcast right here. But that headphone jack thing drives me so crazy. I yeah. ran into so now that I've got a new phone, I've ran into so many situations where I wish I had my phone jack. And I don't know if that's just because I'm a creative type person and I'm trying to like record things and make things. But there's been so many times where if I would have had that headphone jack, it would have made my life a million times easier. But yeah. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they took away the, I mean, who, who cares really? Cause they just did it. Um, and the CD drive too, that thing was like, nobody asked me about that. Nobody asked me about that. No, nobody. I was a little bummed about that. Cause it, it sort of didn't allow you to watch, uh, DVDs anymore either. Yeah. So, on the go. Yeah. It wasn't really like about burning CDs for me. It was more about like, if I went, you know, like if I didn't have the internet, and I was, you know, traveling for the day, I could sort of throw a couple DVDs in my backpack and, you know, pop them in. And I didn't have to worry about like, did I download anything before I left? Mm-hmm. You know, or what if you didn't have, yeah, and it, it worked. But then like now with uh, no, no CD drive there, um, you know, and then, and the, you know, I'm not like necessarily opposed to, 
some of the stuff, but I, I think it's a little bit like I'm waiting for the punchline a little bit with all this stuff because you don't, you know, now that they're like kind of doing away with iTunes, you don't really know. Now it's sort of come to light that like, oh, you don't really own that stuff. Like you're leasing it, you know? So all the music that you've bought on, on iTunes or whatever, you, you, if you look at the fine print and like the contract there, it says, you know, you're just leasing this stuff. You don't really own it. Um, Whereas before, when you had something physical, you owned it. And I kind of, I, I didn't think that that was that cool. I kind of thought that, actually, I thought that was super lame. Like, I, I really was, yeah, I wasn't, I was kind of bummed about that. And then I read an article um, after that, that made me pretty angry about it all. And I didn't really think about it. I don't know, like, life was going by and. You know, they were just changed. I've never been a technology person, so I don't care. Like, I was just kind of like, okay, the internet is a thing. Great. Let's use the internet for whatever we need. Um, and then like, okay, we're using iTunes now. Okay, that's great. Whatever. And I didn't really care until I realized, I mean, much like the rest of humanity, until I looked up, you know, and you, you look up from the thing and you go, hey, wait, what? What happened? So that's kind of where I'm at right now. So can you can you elaborate a little bit more about the thing you were reading, the article you were reading? What did it What did it say that got under well, your skin? Well, I I, put, I I retweeted it on Twitter. It was uh, uh, th- there's a record label in New Jersey called Don Giovanni Records, and they're uh, they're an independent label, and 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 you know they got really cool bands um, on the on the label. I think they're you know really cool bands like. And they're, you know, kind of like a forward thinking label and, and, and they posted this article or they sort of like retweeted this sort of, I don't know, stream of thought or whatever. And, okay. and, and it had basically been like, you know, Hey, uh, that's not that cool. You sort of changed everything on us and didn't really ask us any questions. And like, it made me realize like, wow, they, uh, yeah, they, they really did change that drastically and never like I don't remember getting an opinion on that and you know neither did anybody I know you know like it was kind of just an all of a sudden change um that sort of affected a lot of people and and not only that but it sort of affected their ownership of things like I don't know you know if I bought a guitar and Gibson knocked on the door and was like actually that's uh that's mine I'd be like what are you talking about you know but that's kind of what <laughs> iTunes is doing and the, you know, and the thing is, is like, you know, I've been on a major label for a long time, um, but I left a major label recently and I'm very happy about that decision um, because fortunately it was my own decision to make. And, and they, you know, they were kind enough, the label I was working with is kind enough to say like, you know, I wasn't really done. I wasn't really out of my contract. And I said, look, I'm, I, I don't, I don't fit in here anymore. Like, and I, I just, I think I would, we would both be better off. And I think that it would be better for me. I would like to leave, you know, I don't think I'm doing you any favors by not being the biggest, you know, like, I'm I, like, who are we kidding? I'm not writing the new Jonas Brothers song tomorrow. So like, you're not missing out on millions of dollars. Can I just go be me and you go be you? And uh, they were cool enough to say, yeah, because they could have said no way, you know, and, and then kept me there. But uh, I, they didn't and I left, but, you know where I was going with that is that the labels and the 
like the labels would have had to stood up to iTunes and and anybody else and basically said, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. Like you, uh, you can't have this music. We're going to not give it to you. And you can't, because the whole thing is that like Spotify and iTunes and Pandora and everybody else, they're all sort of beholden to the, the source of what they're loaning or selling, which is music, you know, mm -hmm. like that's the product. And the fact is they don't make the product that they sell. So the manufacturers being really the artists, but secondary to that, the labels, they would have to say, you know, we're not going to give you any music because you're just, you're just ripping us off. So we're not going to give you any music and we don't care about your iPod or your iPhone or whatever else invention you're going to have. Like, we're just not going to, we're not going to do that because that's, that's lame. Like you guys are lame and that's the truth. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're lame and we're not giving you our, we're not giving you your product anymore. So you better go invent something else because, uh, yeah, that music thing is not yours. It's ours. But the right. problem is, is they would have to really put their foot down and stop it. And I don't think that anybody will do it. I don't think so. I think that they don't care. I think they want I headphones. To, to I think it would hurt, hurt too much in the short term for a lot of labels, especially the, the bigger ones that have, you know, a lot of overhead, uh, I feel like they almost they almost couldn't survive that initial pinch. Whereas a smaller independent label that was like had other avenues, you know, maybe they sold a lot of vinyl or uh, whatever the case may be, where it wasn't like their only source, might be able to weather that storm a little bit better. Well, I don't know. I'm just kind of speaking out loud. I agree with you. I think they'd have to come up with a backup plan first and be and then get that plan in effect ready. Meaning, like to say, okay, well, we've invented this new thing and it's called you know, whatever, laser disc. And, you know, we've now set up this company who's going to press these laser discs for us. And we've got a labeler and we've got a manufacturer and we're going to just do it ourselves. And we're going to send this stuff back to Best Buy. Uh, and yeah, you guys are out of luck because we're going to stop giving you streaming. So later, you know, they would have to set <laughs> it up first and then announce it. Basically, like if you got like a real creepy, like significant other and you pack all your stuff up in the middle of the night and you move out, and then you let them know the next day. That's kind of what I'm saying. I got you. Yeah. This is actually a really interesting topic that we've ventured into here. And it I was did not mean some... for this to go. No, no, this is good. Uh, it's it's funny because I I think you know Alex was on the show, your bandmate, and other you know another guitarist in in your band and bands and friend and all that stuff. Uh, and we, I was talking about his Dead Swords record with him, and. And I asked him, you know, as an artist who's kind of explored both avenues, it, you know, in my mindset as a guy who's like whole thing is on the Internet, right? Like started from zero and, you know, just went for it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I kind of view it as like, man, are labels are labels even really necessary anymore? Or could an artist really just do it all themselves if they really wanted to put in the grind? What's what's your perspective on that? I think that you could put in the put in the grind if you wanted to. But the problem is, is that you don't have a distribution network uh, to get your, your, your music to the places it needs to go. Like, as in, you know, like I don't call up John iTunes, you know, or like Joan iTunes and say, Hey, can you put my music on there? Like there's a whole thing that, you know, and even if you do, who's going to tell anybody that it's on there, you know, like there's records on there that you have no idea that exist. And um, 
there's a whole thing about like, you know, distributors and, and for vinyl, especially like if you want to purchase vinyl, how are you going to get it in stores? And then, you know, you can do it though. There's a whole thinking that says you can do it. And I tend to agree with both. Um, I don't think you need a label, but I think it makes life easier. And I think, um, especially if something is successful, then it's really hard. Because when it's successful, the demand goes up. And if you don't meet that demand immediately, the demand will go to someone else. And that's the same as pedals or whatever, you know, or jeans or, you know, licensed music that you don't really own. And someday in the middle of the night, you know, these people in white suits with apples on the back are going to steal from you. Those jerks. You know I mean? Those jerks. Well, you I know, it's the my, same. It can't can't be, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I, I, I am, I have, I have, I'm looking at a creator records right now, you know, and I'm happy with that. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I hear you. I, 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 it's, it's such a strange, strange time because, um, you know, for music, music and the record business <clears throat> was the same for a long time, basically. Like we had a, a good, a good run where, every, you know, the system was the system was the system. And then in, and then everything just got shaken up in the last 20 years. And I still don't think I still don't think anyone has figured out the right answer yet. Or if there's if there's I guess, like you said, there's multiple right answers, I suppose. Yeah, I think that there is definitely multiple right answers. And I don't think that um, I don't think that anyone's figured it out as far as you know, like the younger generation now is so accustomed to streaming that it would kind of be weird if you just yanked that away from them. Um, however, just because someone would be upset doesn't necessarily mean that they should continue getting, you know, something that, because in the end of the day, you know, you, you might have artists that are just going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't feel like making music anymore. You know? Like this just right. isn't worth it, you know. And uh, you know, you couldn't really blame them, some to some degree. Um, but I think that, like, what you know, what we're talking about with the pedal companies, I think that sometimes those like people that have like a big, you know, a big hit or like a really great pedal. I mean, look at T Rex; they just shut down. You know what I mean? Yeah, that situation. I'm not sure what's going on over there. They shut down and then reopened almost almost immediately with they did? The, but with the See, I didn't even with, know yeah, that. yeah it was really strange it was like they shut down i mean what was that a few months ago maybe it's, i don't know it's hard to keep track of time these days but sure. um they shut down and then maybe like 2 weeks later they had restarted and they were like with the original owners and founders and i was really confused by the whole thing i was like i thought you just shut down yeah and i thought you shut down Two weeks later, I don't know. I'm not uh, sure what's going on over there. I mean, that's cool that they did though. If they open back up, that's cool because they. I mean, they made some good pedals. I'm that's actually really looking good. it up right now. <laughs> now this they, is the danger because <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Oh boy, what's the internet going to tell us on this? I one? don't know, man. I always but, wanted to try a T-Rex replicator, but I never, I never have got to try one. I want to try it next to my weird. Japanese old tape echo thing I got laying around here. Dude, I think that their tape delay, I used that thing for years. Like it was, it was really, really, really cool. Really cool. 
first person I've talked to that had direct hands on with it. Oh, I used it for a long time, man. Like that was like the only delay pedal I used from like the 59 sound era, probably all the way up until handwritten, like live I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I used it for a long time. So, um, I, I bet you that I think Ian used it too for a long time. Uh, the it was the like the replica replicate rep- Repl- replicator replicator yeah. so yeah. It, it was awesome I mean oh the rep the replica is the first one the replicator is the tape echo and the reptile two is the the delay pedal so I started with the replica and then went to the reptile two which was the delay. And I used both of those for years. Like they had magic marker all over them, like paint, you know, from playing live. You're talking about the replicator, the tape echo. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. I had that I, one. That's I didn't realize one. I had three with the same or similar name. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that. Um, and this is the replicator is the one with the tape that actually has the cartridge of tape in it, and it's like a tap tempo. Yeah. Okay, so I had that one too. So that one sounds great. It sounds really really cool uh the issue is is that the the it tape you know doesn't like tap tempo it's hard you know yeah um it's i i could not get it to slow down to go uh rather it i was having trouble working with it gotcha it, i it's gotcha. cool it's it's cool and you know if you're doing longer delays and like you don't need to change it so much you might be you might be that might be right up your alley, but for me, it was very difficult. You yeah, you because you you don't you don't do necessarily so much of the the Gilmore delay thing no. where he uses it to create these soaring sustains. It's it's a different texture that you're adding there. Yeah, mine's more of like the you know the slapback kind of thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Interesting. You just informed me. I didn't. I didn't realize they had multiple delay pedals. Like the biggest thing I thought of from T Rex was uh, their power supplies. Yep. And and I know they had a ton of stuff, but the the power supplies were the big one that I thought of with them, and the replicator obviously because that made a huge splash when it first came out. Um, yeah. And those those were the that were always in my head when I thought of T Rex. Those were the those were the products I thought of. But they made so many more. They have a ton of pedals. Yeah, their their original uh, compressor, that green one, the bigger pedal. Yeah, that was yeah awesome. Like I used that for a long time too. That that compressor was great. Um, and then I moved uh moved to the uh the analog man because it's got two instead of one. Um, so you're making me want to get reverb right now. Check out, dude. Some hit it up, man. Stuff right now. <laughs> Right now, I mean, I'm looking at tons of stuff. Like, uh, I'm looking at, uh, I had this uh, deluxe, you know, like deluxe reverb sort of uh, early 60s Fender tone. And um, like this quest going on for that. Uh, At the same time as manageability with volume and sound, you know? So like getting, sort of having something that can work in the studio and at home and so I was looking around, you know, I was talking to you about Milkman amps for a long time. Um, and uh, I was looking at my friend Corey told me about the Wooly Coats amps from Third Power. 
Oh yeah, yeah. You know them? Oh yes. Uh, we gave away uh one of their extra chimes mm, two years ago on a big giveaway. Really? I, and I got to play it. Yeah, that was a um, it was a huge giveaway that we did. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like a guitar, a full pedal board, cables, and an amp. It was like a billion dollars in gear. It was it was pretty fun, but it was also. Ooh, I experienced the rage of the internet from that one. So, oh, you did. That was that was. Well, yeah. What uh, happened? I, well, uh, I you know you just randomly picked the winner, and people were really mad that it wasn't them. That's really the gist. Like, I got so much hate, and then also, really? you know, yeah, all these companies that were involved. There was like, I don't even remember, like eighteen companies involved or something. Sure. You know, and I said on the on the giveaway sign up I was like listen everyone's getting your email like I said it in a more professional way than that but like hey everybody's going to get your email if you click this button all these companies are getting your email and and so you know lots of people didn't read that oh and and so they were like hey why am I getting all these emails I was like you agreed man like I don't know what what you want me to tell you that was the whole point <laughs> I will tell you this without using any names uh I am very, very close friends with someone at a large, large music instrument retailer. Um, I will say that it's not Guitar Center and it's not one of those, but it's probably it's the, one of the coolest, biggest ones and the emails that they get. And the reason I'm saying that it's so big is because they get so many emails um, about customers, especially like online. So sometimes oh, my yeah. friend will pass on one of these emails to me to see and they are insane like the things that people say i'll show them to my wife and she's like what's that about and i'll be like she's like is that like a divorce settlement i'll be like no it's about gear because <laughs> people are so insane they're like so mad and they're like they're like i hope you die like stuff like that they're like i'm gonna come and fight you they're like i'm gonna get on a plane and fight you and you're like are you kidding me and i'll be like what did they buy and they're like oh dude a pack of strings <laughs> yeah <laughs> like for real oh, yeah yeah they bet i bought a two knob keely comp oh, like, it's awesome. oh man. i mean i i believe it you know i'm small potatoes in this industry and i get a decent amount of emails and sometimes i i'm like what it's odd because like i find that too a lot on um social media like twitter and and all that like somebody will say something like just really nasty and you're like why did you bother tagging me in that like what you know you could have said that out to the world without letting me know that you you know you think i've gained 20 pounds or whatever else you know whatever they're saying like you know what i mean like they'll just say something that's like doesn't need to be said and then they'll be like oh yeah but by the way like you know like like could you let me like? Could I get like a photo pass for the next show? And you'll be like, "What? Like, no." <laughs> You're like, "No." Like, no, like, no, you can't. Me. No, <laughs> you'll be getting nothing. <laughs> thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for that. Yeah. That's it's it's weird. There's a weird disconnect in the way we communicate on the internet. I think because like you wouldn't go up to somebody and be like, "You know what? I think a lot of what you do sucks." Yeah. Um. But uh, but by the way, uh, I I also like what you do sometimes. Like, okay thank you. yeah most of what you do is garbage but like one time you did something cool and so like do more of that like yeah, yeah. Right. 
Sorry. Okay. I, but I agree with that. 90% of this show is nonsense, but that's kind of the point. So uh, sorry, sir. It's all right. Um, uh, uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Something that I'm, I wanted to get in the first time we talked, but we, we went all over the place and it was like two in the morning. So uh, can you tell this audience the story of the baseman used on 59 cents? Yeah. What's the backstory on that? Um, well, what I did was uh, I had a reissue, um, the just a 59 Baseman LTD um, reissue. And I, I just at one point decided, oh, no, I remember what happened. I plugged into a real one um, at a store. And I think it was like six grand or something. And I was like, to me, that might as well have been a, a million dollars. But I plugged into it to see what it sounded like. And I was like, that doesn't sound anything like my reissue. And I got kind of bummed that it didn't. So I sort of like went on a quest to try and make it sound better. And this was sort of before there was like a lot of clones out there. There was like Victoria and that was it. So you could get a Victoria 45, 410. But even that was like three grand or whatever. So I couldn't afford that either. Um, so what I started doing was buying parts. And I figured, you know, I know a little bit about electronics. And uh, I found the uh, Hoffman Amps um, forum, the like on el34world.com. And uh, by Doug Hoffman, you know, do you know who that is? I do. Yeah, I do. He, so he like, you know, he, he sells parts for amps and there's like a forum that goes with it. And like, there's all these like really cool people on there who are like engineers and they've like gone to college and some of them were in the Navy or the army and they like, you know, and they, or they're like tube amp repairmen and they've like worked on GE TVs and stuff in the fifties and sixties. And, you know, and they're, they're like oh, on there, like sharing their knowledge for free and you can like talk to them and, and so I sort of like started doing that. And this was in the early days, like of, of the internet and, and they would help me through, you know, and they sort of steered me to a couple of places. They steered me to a builder who, uh, was building like the board kits. They were called the airtight garage and they like make, uh, they make the board kits and, and they put all the parts on for you and they send you the board assembled and all you have to do is wire it up. Um, and the work is like immaculate. So the guy who's building these boards, uh, who's assembling these Hoffman boards at Airtight Garage, whoever he is, or she, I don't know who it is, but their work is impeccable. So good. And, um, you know, I, and I started piecing together these things and then I found like Mercury Magnetics and Haybor and trying transformers. And then I found Weber speakers and that's how I became good friends with TA. And, you know, and, and it's little by little, I would, go back to this store and plug into this amp and I would play it and I'd be like, no, okay, it's not right. So then I go back, read some more, talk on the forum some more, try some more parts. And by little by little, part by part, I got pretty close. Do I think it sounded exactly the same? No, but it sounded really, really good. And it sounded way better than it did when I first started, when I finished. And it sounded, uh, and did you use that, that completed, you know, once you, I guess it's a, you almost rebuilt the whole thing, really. Oh, uh, yeah, the whole thing. Use that on that record yes. the whole time? Yep, I used every every song 
uh, I used that amp. I used no other amp and no other guitar. I used one setup for the entire record all the way through. And I, that, that amp, uh, a full tone tape echo, uh, the tube tape echo, um, because the solid state echo didn't exist at the time yet. I used a Dynacomp compressor and a Fender uh, American Telecaster, not even a custom shop, just a regular old American Telecaster with uh, my buddy uh, Luther Lee pickups in them. And that's it. That's everything. Didn't use anything else. I, I, mean, I mean, job well done. Look at that. Yeah, man. That's, it's, that's, that's like the record, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it was cool. And like, that's kind of never, I haven't varied too much from that theory since you know i mean yeah like i don't use a telly anymore but you know i still sometimes do you know i use a strat uh sometimes but like i don't know you just i was also a young musician at the time i didn't really know you know i hadn't figured out my sound i was just sort of you know trying to get sounds that i've heard that i liked you know trying to sort of copy the sounds that i already did like it's it's interesting because hearing you talk about that rig, that's about what I would have expected, except in my head for that time period, I picture you playing a Les Paul Jr. And I think it's because yeah. I seen you play one time a Les Paul Jr. And I was like, well, that must be what he plays because that's what I play. Yeah. That's what all the cool kids play is the juniors. So they're end of story. Well, I, I don't know. No, the junior was like a oh, short period of time. Like, So what happened was I got the telly. My first real guitar was a Les Paul. That was my first like real guitar where my dad loaned me the money to buy it and I I paid him back. Um and it was a it was just a black Les Paul standard. And um at one point in my life I I needed to sell it to get gear to go on tour uh with Gaslight early on. So I needed to sell it to buy an amp because I didn't have an amp and I had two guitars. So it was the only thing that was worth any money because the telly that I had at the time wasn't worth anything. So I had to trade it in for an amp, which I got an AC 30. Um, and that was the only way I could go on tour. So everything was done out of necessity. I didn't really want to sell that guitar. And then, so the Les Paul was like my first, like real love. I know people associate me with the Telecaster, but it was because that's just what I had and it was what I could afford. So it wasn't that I, you know, I didn't choose. And then, so the next thing, you know, as soon as I, I could, I got, um, I got the junior and, and then like really, because what I was doing is I was inching back to the Les Paul. Then that's where I was trying to go back to, but I couldn't afford the Les Paul. So I got the junior, uh, cause it was cheaper. And then, you know, and then I got the Les Paul with the P nineties. Um, and that was my first like legit, custom shop guitar that i bought myself mm. so that's kind of the, that's how it happened and then once i got that i stuck with the les pauls throughout you know because i've played 335s live I've, I've changed a lot of guitars live but recording wise generally speaking every record's been done with the les paul every single one since so american slang all the way up has been done with the les paul gotcha yeah gotcha. I'm a Les Paul man myself, you know that. Yeah. But uh, I, I think it's uh, you're, it's funny to to talk to you about this because you've got the most like 
the most Les Paul you can get right now. <laughs> it's like the most Les Paul that exists. The most I Les think. Paul, Les Paul that exists. It is three pickups, <laughs> Bigsby, custom, heavy as could be. It's like, you're right, it is. And it's black and gold. It's the most Les Paul, oh, Les Paul man. that you could have. It is. It's so gorgeous. You know, I, it I, is, you man. posted a picture of it. I just, well, I mean, you told me you got it, and then I didn't see it till you posted it, and I was just fell in love. Just, uh, dude, like, it's I awesome. I see why you bought. It. I'm not even gonna like pretend that it's not awesome. It's it's so awesome, and it just sounds really cool, you know, too. Like, uh, and and I had uh, a Josh from uh, Righteous Sound Pickups made all those pickups for it. And I described to him exactly what the guitar was doing, what it was made out of, what it weighed. And he was like, all right, what kind of magnets do they have in it? And I was like, this kind. And he's like, okay, we're going to change it to this, 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 this. And he winds up a set, sends it to me, and it was exactly what I wanted. And the thing is, is this Les Paul sounds like the best Les Paul on the planet that I've ever tried, you know, without it being like a 50s Les Paul. I 100% believe that Josh, Josh is my boy. Uh, I was just playing, playing some of his pickups yesterday in my Equits Rayburn. Uh, these are the, the pickups that you, you, um, you know, you have a personal vendetta against though. They're the wide range humbuckers. So, Oh, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, don't know those. I can't, I can't be doing that. That, that, those wide range humbuckers. That's too weird. <laughs> when you come by, you can come by the shed one day and we'll, We'll expand your consciousness okay. with, with the wide range humbuckers. Oh, we'll see what happens. But it'll, it'll be a magic experience. It's I'm sure it will. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the move. Um but yeah, I mean like I don't know. That's that's kind of been the progression for me with these things and you know, the Les Paul and the Tele I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't hate a telecaster. I don't. I, I love a telecaster. Um but, you know, for me, it, it's just I got to use what feels good to me. And, and, that, and that's kind of, you know, that's what, that's what feels good. I have a couple less calls, though. I have, I have a few that um, I have uh, four total, four. Four less calls? Yeah. Um, I don't have many guitars. Like, you wouldn't think that I, I don't have tons of guitars. Like, I'm not sitting around like, with like, I have four Les Pauls, and then I have one Tele, two Tellys if you count the old one, um, and one Strat, and I, a Rickenbacker, and that's it. No, I mean, yeah, I, I'm looking around, going like, man, what do I, Brian doesn't need all these guitars. What am I doing with all these guitars? Well, yeah, I'm a different. I have a different school of thought, though. Like, I kind of, and you know what's funny is I'm actually looking at them. I was looking at them this morning, and I'm like. Somebody's got to go, you know, because I, I just, I think you can play a few, but, um, you know, if you do a lot of different things, then you can, you know, surely you need several guitars, you know, but if you spend time with one or two of them, you sort of really get to know that one or two of them. And, and you're, you're able to think more about what you're playing and how it's going to react rather than like learning a new instrument. Cause I feel like each, each instrument you get sort of, you have to take time and learn it to figure out what it really does. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause the, the first like 
fully like custom guitar I got was my uh, Roni Oceana. And it's the one I play the most now. But at first I had to figure it out, uh, even though it was like to my spec and everything was was made how I wanted it. It was so different than anything I owned. It, it took me a while. I mean, it's definitely my my number one player these days, but on initially getting it, I almost didn't know what to do with it. I was like, what do I do with these sounds? Yeah, that, I mean, these aren't humble. Like, I don't know what to do with this guitar. And it took me a while, but now it's my baby. I just love that thing. And that's how I feel about that, that Les Paul Custom. It's, you know, it's got three pickups, so, and a Bigsby. So I'm like, well, you know, I'm still learning, like, okay, you know, what does this pickup do? And like, how do they, you know, and I've got it wired all different. So it's like, it's not wired like the normal way of doing it, you know, and, it's just, it's, you have to spend time, I think, you know, figuring it out. How is it wired up? Well, I'll, it, so here's the thing. Like when you buy a three pickup Les Paul or a three pickup SG, they're wired really badly. So I will tell Gibson, this is an absurd way to wire a guitar and you shouldn't do it because no one likes it. So um, when, when, when you buy them, you put it in the bridge position and it's the bridge pickup, right? You, yes. Then you put it in the middle position, and it's the bridge pickup and the middle pickup. But because of the way the magnet is so close together, it makes the middle pickup out of phase with the bridge pickup. Because of the, I think if I'm understanding it correctly, it's because of the proximity of the magnets, not because the coils flipped. Um. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. which is weird. So it's not really out of phase, but it's kind of an out of phase sound. And then in the in the rhythm position, it's just the neck pickup alone. So that's not useful, I think, to me. And uh, not to me. Either. No. So there's this great uh, great website called Hayes Guitars, H A Z E Guitars, and uh, there's this guy. I think it's it's Gary or it's Jerry. I'm not sure which one, but uh, I think he's in Australia or New Zealand. But he wrote up. He writes up all these awesome tips about guitars. He's a repairman, and he, he, he writes these great tips. And um, one day he wrote what to do with three pickup guitars. And so I was like, yes, I will. Thank you very much. And so what he does is he wrote out a schematic, and it's, um, you know, and it's just a picture. It's like anybody with a soldering iron can, can follow this, um, meaning me. And so what I did was I wired the guitar normally so that, you know, down – is the bridge pickup uh middle position is the neck and the bridge pickup and up is the neck pickup so what do you do with the middle pickup well you wire it to the neck pickups tone control so that you can blend it out or in or any shade of volume that you wish in any position and then you wire the bridge pickup tone to be a master tone so basically, that middle pickup, I can bring in as much or as little of it as I want, whatever I want. And the cool thing, in any position I want. So the cool thing is, sometimes like you're playing and you're on your bridge pickup and you're like, wow, it's a little bright today. Well, if you blend in a little bit of that middle pickup, it takes the harshness right off of there. And it sort of, and it sounds completely different than if you rolled down your tone or you roll down your volume or you change your amp, you know? And then when you roll it full up, it does still give you that kind of quacky strat tone 
but in a really cool way, like not in your typical like single coil tapped, which I really don't like that sound. Um, like it's not like that because it's still a humbucker, but because of the closeness, you know, or whatever that magnetic thing is that's happening, I'm not really sure what it is, but it, it gives you like that. It gives it like an awesome, like to me, it sounds like Dire Straits when I, when I wind that up. So it, that guitar really, man, is special. It's cool. That's very interesting. Now you've got me kind of jonesing for a Les Paul of three pickups. I thought I had enough Les Pauls. No, man. You, yeah, I mean, I think everybody should own one three pickup SG or Les Paul. Like, I mean, and then yeah, Brittany from uh, Alabama Shakes plays the the three pickup SG, and it's so cool yeah. looking. It's so cool looking. Oh, I think she she might be. It's like her her. I think is like the one that made me re like re realize like I already already knew, but I re realized how awesome the three pickup SG looks. Oh, oh it's man, so it cool looks. looking, and she rips too. Rips like such a good player. Oh, she's so good. Yeah, she's incredible. Good songwriter, great singer, killer guitar player. She's got it all. Really does. Get yeah. her on the show. I wonder if she want to come on the show. How do I get her? You got her number? I do not. If I did, I would be begging her to sing on my records. <laughs> oh man, yeah. that, that would be killer. Yeah, I don't. Hey, internet, internet, let's make that happen. I would let's love that. It. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's uh, for for me. I think like the ultimate guests would be like her or uh, the uh, Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks, like together. Mm-hmm. That that's for me. Yes either them two or or Brittany would be the biggest you know like guests because i think that they could add the most value that's what i think i think that those those two i'm i'm, I'm combining tedeschi and trucks i don't know i don't know why but those those three artists would be the most i think beneficial to what i can hear in my head that would be uh, that would be an amazing thing. I don't know. I don't know how all of that works because I'm such a non-professional musician. Like I don't know. Like, is it as easy as it seems for that stuff? You just like you, you know them. You know the right people who know the right people, and and it kind of just happens. Or I don't know. I think so. I mean, you'd have to just ask, you know, and then they'd either be into it or they're not into it. You know, that's I find that it's mostly like that. Like I don't really find that it's like a money thing. I find that most of the time, if you just ask somebody and you're like, Hey, I got this, you know, I got this song and I'd really like you to play on it. Um, would you be interested? And then, you know, they either say yes or no. I mean, I know that's how I would be. If somebody asked me, I would, I would, you know, base it on who, who they were. Like, do I like what they do or do I not, you know? And if I didn't, then I probably wouldn't do it. But if I did, then I would, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't do it. You know, like why wouldn't you? That's a, that's a good point. Cause why you're, not? Yeah, you're not that busy, you know, like you're just not, nobody's that busy. If there's something, this is what I've realized. If something cool enough comes along, nobody's that busy. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. It's like, if something really cool happens, like it's coming through town. Like if all of a sudden, you know, like, Mick Jagger was knocking on my door right now. Yeah. Like right now. I would say, Brian, I'm sorry I have to go. Because Mick Jagger is outside. Yeah, I mean that's like, and you yeah. you'd be like, okay, that's fine. I would Mick get Mick it. Mick Jagger's outside. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, yeah same same that. you know real. <clears throat> um well we've been going for we've been going for over an hour i better get to a couple of these uh facebook group questions yeah get, get, get to the get to the thing and then we'll you know you know i'm sure you can cut out some of that stuff probably i'm not going to though all right so, fair enough you know, i could i, I could i that's not how i roll i try to i leave I leave as much in here as possible. Sometimes I cut out some stuff that is noisy or there's an interruption or yeah. static or something, but like I, I try to leave them as raw as possible. Well, I've had my one cat meowing the entire time. So you'll probably have that. Like I have this one cat that just, she doesn't do, she just meows like just all the time. It's just what she does, but she's just fine. Just she's sitting here meowing. She doesn't need anything. You know, she just, She's vocal. She's singing. She's really vocal. Like, I mean, cats usually aren't like that, but she, this one is incredibly vocal. So, ask her to guest on the next record, maybe. I could. Good I could do. Yeah. So, what do you got? Uh, let's, let's see. Who, here we got here. We, we don't have just a ton, but we got a few. Sure. Uh, oh, well, here's this is actually a self serving question for me, too. All right. Uh, my, my dude, Co Schneider, wants to know. Will there be another Horrible Crows album? Which you know, you know how I feel about that record. It's one of my, it's one of my very favorites. So thank you for making it with Mr. Ian Perkins, who's also an amazing human. Yeah, it needs to come on the show. Oh yeah, he would do it. Talk He'd be great. Um, he, he told me he's like, no, nobody wants to hear from me. That's not true. I'm like, come on, man. I think everybody, I everybody wants to hear from Ian because Ian sort of been around for the whole thing and he's been the closest to anybody um i you know the thing about like doing another horrible crows record would be here, here's the problem with writing a record that i think i can say i think i, I don't really mind what anybody else say. i think that record's great i think it's probably one of the best things i've ever done and um i am too nervous to write something under that name again for fear that it wouldn't be as good you know and that's the real that's the you know like i don't I, like if i was meatloaf i would not have done bad out of hell two because you can't beat bad out of hell one so that like oh. you're done so you might as well just stop like and i think that i am a big fan of not ruining the pizza because you make a great pizza like you know in that once upon a time in mexico when he shoots the cook i'm like i'm da mm -hmm. i'm down like I'm, I am down with that theory because like, I don't necessarily think you should shoot him, but like if I ever wrote like the perfect record, like what I considered to be the perfect record, um, I would stop. I'd be like, that's enough because you, you can't, if you ruin it, it will somehow infect the first record. You know, like it really is a public consciousness thing where if you do something that you think is good, Unless you really know that you got another one, you need to stop. At least that's my theory. I don't know if anybody else goes along with it, and people are probably going to hate me for saying that, but it, that's how I feel. Do you think you could stop, though? It almost feels like once you go, when, once this is what you do, I, I, don't, I know me personally, I, I, I have things I just got to get out sometimes. Well, you do another facet, so you, sort, you change it. Like meaning you do you you like I wouldn't do the horrible crows thing again unless I thought I could do it as good as the last one. So that doesn't mean I would stop making music. It just means I would stop. Like if I was making a cake and I made the perfect cake, I just wouldn't make any more cakes. 
I would sort of move on to muffins or something. I got you know, you. I, you I know got what I'm you. saying here? Like that, that's kind of like, but that's the answer to all the band questions that people ask me. Like, why aren't you going to do this? Why aren't you going to do a gaslight record? Well, because I don't think I can beat what we've already done. That's really why. And then they're like, well, you're still writing songs for yourself. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Maybe that's just like a psychic block in my head. And, and that's just going to have to live because, um, you know, that, that's just the truth of it. And there's no amount, like, the, I don't know about the personality type that I am, which I don't know what that is, but the personality type I am is like, it doesn't matter if you, you know, if, if it was like for fear of doom and destruction, or if it was also offered all the money in the world, you couldn't sway me unless I felt like I could do a good job because nothing matters more to me than feeling like I am doing the best job I can do. Like no success or failure matters more than that. And you know what I'm trying to say? I think that, I think that comes across in the music to be honest. Okay, cool. Cause I don't, uh, I just can't, I, you know, I do. Like I won't revisit the idea of something unless I feel like I can do it to the best of my ability. And if I feel like in any way it's half-hearted, I won't do it. I'll just be like, no. Yeah, it's just, it's not true to who you are. Like if it's a, basically if you feel like you're thrown in the towel in any way, shape or form, then that, that song or that record or whatever it is you're working on, it's just like, we're going to stop now. Yeah, I, I think that you have to. Yeah, that's that's how I feel, you know, and like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's a good, I feel like that's a good, that's a very good, good way to operate. Yeah, I mean, it's not know, about, especially as an artist. Yeah, I'm not trying to be a perfectionist. Like, I didn't say it has to be perfect. I just think it has to be, it has to live up to the quality standard. Like, it's not like it has to be like every record has to be as good as the 59 sound. It's like, it has to live up to the quality standard of what I think the last great thing we did. Like when we did handwritten, I think that that quality wise stands up to the 59 sound. I don't necessarily think one is better than the other. I just think that the quality is of equal measure and that doesn't. And so that, so then I feel that's good. Now, whether somebody else feels that way or not, that's their opinion and that's totally cool, but I'm only talking about how I feel. So that's the thing that makes it work or not work for me. Gotcha. Right. So that's the reason why I wouldn't do a Horrible Crows record or another Gaslight record unless I felt that the quality stood up. So, but, but I like that you say that because if at some point with you going, you know, you're, you're, you're on the record now with that one. Yeah. Uh, with you saying I feel good that, though about that. that like that doesn't worry me at all to be on the record. I feel no, no. good to be. No, no, that's no, no, no. I think that, I think, you have very good reasons for for executing the way you execute. But where, where I was going with that line of thought was that means if you ever do come out with something again, that the fans and, and myself included are going to be very excited because that means you think it's at least as good as previous efforts, Correct. which obviously. Right. Like I, I will back. it. Yeah. That's the way. Yeah, that's 100 percent right. You're 100 percent right that I, I would back it. And so. So that that would be the <laughs> that would be the thing. All right, let's see if we can get to another one here. We got uh, we got one from uh, Emilio Emilio Rizzo, and uh, this is you'll like this one. Metal Zone or Miku? I don't know what a Miku is. Oh, you don't know the Miku the Miku Stomp? You seen the the Korg Miku Stomp? No. Uh. Uh-uh, uh. Oh. I don't know what that is. 
<laughs> well, this makes this question kind of funny. A Miku Stomp is a box that is, it's got a, I don't know the backstory about, the, about it exactly, but it's got an anime character on it. And it changes whatever you put into it into, like, vocalizations of the anime character. I am looking this thing up right now. Miku Stomp. Yeah, M-I-K. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I see, I see it. Um, no, no, I'm going to have to go Metal Zone because I have no idea what a Miku Stomp does. I don't like I, it when something is changed. Like, I, the, I don't like it when something changes what I'm putting into it. Like, I like putting into something... You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to play a guitar chord and hear something like whatever coming out. I I do. I I like those okay. weird manipulation <laughs> devices. I, I mean, I like both, obviously. But I, yeah. I tend to get really, really strange when I'm playing by myself. Uh, sure. Which is most of the time. And the sounds that come out of the speakers sometimes are only guitar in their source. <laughs> and, okay. And they... They come out as reverberated broken robots. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. I, See, know, I, 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 like I love um, Earthquaker devices pedals, um, especially uh, the delay, the Avalanche Run, I think is one of the best pedals ever to be made, ever. Um, but I do not understand that rainbow machine at all. And like, I would love for them to maybe explain that pedal to me because I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't understand what it does. I don't understand why it why it exists. And that that I'm not critiquing it. I'm just saying that I'm actually saying I don't understand. Can you help me understand? Well, I I think the first place to start with the Rainbow Machine. Now, granted, I've only played one a handful of times in the store, but mm -hmm. I think what what is what is crazy about the thing is how how insane it gets, how fast it gets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can get way over your head in a hurry with the rainbow machine. But if you dial okay. it back, there are some like chorusy modulation type sounds in there that are more kind of your normal thing. But it can okay. get out of control so in, in such a hurry that most people never find that stuff. Gotcha. Uh, All right. What else you got? What else did I got? Let's see what else we got. Uh, oh, well, yeah, I didn't ask you this. This has kind of become a, a standard question uh, since since last time you were on. But. What is your favorite boss pedal? Ooh, uh, for me, I really love the Blues Driver. Mm. Yes. I like that pedal a lot. Um, I used it on uh, on the entire Senor and the Queen EP. Uh, with actually, funny enough, that bassman that I used on Fifty Nine Sound, the early incarnation before I changed out the transformers was Rick was the sound i used on the senor and the queen ep and the only difference was i used a blues driver versus the other stuff so if you want to hear and it's the same guitar same same everything just that's the difference and uh and i really like the sound of that blues driver i am going to go back with a critical ear now and check that out yeah i always i always like the sound of that ep so that's, well, Mike, that's interesting here's a great way to do it is if you want uh, if you go go listen to Blue Jeans and White T-Shirts because the initial rhythm guitar that starts the song, that's my guitar. And then go listen to Here's Looking at You, Kid, because that's, again, that's just my guitar on its own. So you'll hear the difference right there between both guitars. But it's the same guitar. So you just hear the same same amp, same guitar, just different levels of the variation. And one had a compressor on it, and one had the blues driver. 
Oh, I'm doing that as soon as it's pretty cool. As soon as we're done here, that'll be my my homework. And I back both of those tones to this day. I still back both of those tones. Sign off on them. I will sign off on them. I think that they're great. <laughs> Man, that's great. Well, oh, by the way, and-, and if I had to say right now, uh, who's amp i would uh choose for like a tweed style amp it would 100 percent be tungsten that's the 100 percent tweed tweed amp i'm saying tungsten all the way tungsten amps it's been a while since i heard about them dude killer 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 and uh and i still got i gotta figure out which one of these woolly coats is the one between the uh the extra spanky and the regular spanky and the the chimey spanky and I gotta that that's the big mission for me right now. I I liked so I, again I liked that extra chimey quite a bit for Vox stuff. In fact, you're a big Vox guy. The extra chimey was was the coolest Vox style amp I've I've personally ever played. I am, but the thing is, is that I am a firm believer in Vox is one of those companies where. I don't think anybody makes a better Vox than Vox. And I've tried, you know, I've tried all the, all the clones. I truly think that with a couple small tweaks, you can make a hand-wired AC30 or AC15 sound so good that I just, I'm sticking with the regular Vox made Voxes. But uh, as far as like the, the Wooly Coats thing, I'm kind of trying to find that in, in term, basically that, Tweed Deluxe with a mid control and a master volume. Gotcha. Which seems to be what what the Woolly Coats does. I haven't I haven't uh, I haven't tried the the extra spanky or the spanky, so I don't know. But I do know the clips that I've heard of them sound they sound brilliant. So you're probably they sound the right amazing. Track. Yeah, they do. They're crazy. Yeah, so I just got to sit in a room with both of them, and I don't know how to do that because all the dealers are not in New Jersey. You're going to have to come down to Summer Nam. Ah, uh, yeah, I can't be doing that. I got to write a record. I know. <laughs> I've been trying to get you to come down to Summer Nam for six months. I know you're not coming down. It's tough, man. It's tough. It's all good. It's all good. Well, man, we've been going for uh, for 80 minutes. Do you have anything else you want to tell the people before we sign off here? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm, all, I'm all done. You're done. You said it all. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for doing this. This was awesome. Yeah, uh, thanks for having I always, me. I always enjoy our chats, and you know, I could do this for hours, but uh, unfortunately, life's got to be lived. So we got to get I out. Of, we got to get outside once in a while. Yeah, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go get some stuff at Home Depot. So <laughs> you're a, you're a homeowner now. I actually yeah. have to go to Home Depot too. <laughs> so. For four days, I've been a homeowner for four days. Congratulations! Thanks, man. Way. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, everybody, keep your eyes glued to all things Brian Fallon because he's got a record come out, as we've been talking about, you know, sometime, sometime soon. And I'm sure yeah. I'll be talking about it too. So um, thanks for tuning in. Well, thank you very much. Uh, all right, Brian. Well, we'll have to do this again sometime. It's always a treat. And uh, Absolutely, man. Yeah. For Brian, this is Blake. And as always, folks, Good luck and good tones. (laughs) All right, we did it again, folks. That was 
That was just incredible. I had a great, a great time, and I hope you enjoyed that too. Uh, as I said, check out Brian on all his socials for all of the updates and all the goings-ons. And, you know, same with Tone Mob. Hang out with me on all the socials. I'm there. I'm posting stuff. I've been doing videos. Been doing some videos on IGTV. Doing a little pedal demo here and there. Just trying to spice up the content any way I can. And, uh, yeah. So if you guys want to check that out, let me know what you think. Don't forget about our monthly giveaway. So if you're not subscribed to the Tone Mob newsletter, you can't be playing our monthly trivia game where you win gear. And I know you like to win gear you're listening to this podcast who doesn't like to win stuff all right i'll talk to you guys next week bye bye one last thing before we totally sign off here i just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at stringjoy that's stringjoy guitar strings made in nashville that will help me out as well as i've said for years i'm heavily involved in that company and i really do think they're making the best products on the market so if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got... Three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.